Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Hi, I'm Hannah Rudd, a marine biologist and author, and diving means to me exploration and escapism. So here we are, once again. This is the Big Scuba Podcast, and this is episode 140. Woohoo! <laughs> and here we are, we're in the middle of a field in the Ford Transit. and uh, E-Transit. E-Transit, yep. yes. And uh, I'm sure... Uh, people as they go past think, what are they doing? What are they up to? What, are they doing? what is that field in the middle of the field? We're not really in the middle of the field. We're actually sitting on some concrete. But all come clear. So uh, welcome and thanks for downloading this episode, which is our 140th. Can gym. you believe that? Yeah, and we're nearly three years old in the next wow. few weeks. Yes. So, Pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Where's so, that time gone? Well, so had a lot of fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got another guest for you. you know, we like to bring you a guest, and this week's episode is no different. No, we have um, Hannah Rudd. She has just uh, released a book called Britain's Living Seas. Yeah, and uh, she talks a lot about the why, you know, why we can explore the oceans and why it shouldn't cost the earth, and just what. Especially the UK has got to offer for yeah. diving. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Why do why don't people dive in the UK? I don't know. I really don't know. Although, if you could, maybe you should get that camera and just pan that around <laughs> and show people where we are. This is our current view and everything. It's so if you're listening to this in June, July, August, you'll probably think, oh, what are we talking about? But it's, we are sitting in uh, the van. And because we've got to do a little bit of drone work, and it is minus three, minus four here. Incredibly, and, uh, everywhere's pretty. white. Yeah, pretty. It's very white. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we've had complete white out. frost, and uh, yeah, it's been like this for a few days. Um, we had a. Uh, we went diving yesterday, didn't we? We did. Yeah. And uh, so we wanted to see what this new e-transit is like. Uh, I'm a transit owner. I've been a transit owner for several years. I think I'm on my third transit. You're a van um, driver. Yeah, I've been a white van driver for years. And um, uh, I'm, you know, transit through and through. And uh, although I did have a Vauxhall once, my van. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> we did. Yeah, um, but you're a Ford fan as well. Oh, so, God, yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh, this transit's been great in, in the way of driving. has been brilliant. Yeah. So comfortable. Yeah, you're quite high up. Uh, it's very smooth driving. It's automatic. Um got lots of bells and whistles many divers use a transit and we are trying transit connect or transits mm. for you know it gets doubled up for their work day uh mobile in the week yeah. and then um uses their main go-to uh diving vehicle uh the weekends yeah and then other people use their transits and they convert them don't they to yeah, stay in they overnight do. they so. do but anyway we'll talk about the transit in a bit let's talk about um Let's talk about what we've been up to, what, you, what you've been, been doing this um, week. Well, with work, it's been busy. We've been uh, doing various things with the podcast and uh, talking to people, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We've got another trip planned. We're going to go and see Narct at 90. So you may have heard of Narct 90. Yeah, um, they're, they're really good, big, especially in the commercial diving, military diving. Mm. Um, Do lots of... They, they, they've been they're not a stranger to us they were on our little big chat a while ago weren't they when yeah, we started doing them they were we'll put a link to that so you can uh um so that was uh john routley and mm. brent wasn't it yeah john to. routley introduced me to Shearwater. Mm. hello hello you Shearwater <laughs> fans yes and, uh, we're both fans th- those <laughs> in canada uh so uh thanks for listening and uh yeah and um i bought my Shearwater from john yeah. all those years ago yeah. So yeah. So we're looking. We'll uh, put more out about that. But we're going to visit the factory and have a tour and a chat with John. Yeah. So. And uh, John is um, uh, well. John and Brent uh, been in the diving community for years, mm. and uh, big motorcycle fans as well. Yeah. Love their motorbikes. Um, I don't think they dive quite as much now as what they used no, to. No. They just got really busy with work and things yeah. like that, as a lot of us often do. You yeah. Know? But um, it's going to be interesting. You're the first time up there, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. yes. I'm looking forward to that and uh, sort of seeing what they're all about and understanding it. You know, We're going up in the transit, so yeah. uh, be uh, see how we get on t- with tomorrow's 
little adventure. Yeah, we're planning the route a bit later because obviously you've got to factor in charging and where you're going to charge. So um, it's nice hanging the suits up yesterday, and uh, yeah. I put you know strung some rope up in there and uh, yeah. hang the suits up after diving, uh, getting changed in there. Yeah, it was quite was good. nice. And that was our first dive of 2023. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was. was a, yeah. It was cold. It was. It went. We got six degrees on our computers, but yeah. it wasn't. Um, I wouldn't say it was a bad experience. It was really good, lovely and lovely bright day. It's getting over the cold, the first bit, isn't it? You yeah, know. you you felt that more than I did. I felt more my, my head, hands on my head, I, and, and I always do. I always feel the colder. What is hair? Head. <laughs> oh, have you know? I've got a full head, head of hair <laughs> under my sheer water hat. So, uh, well, if anybody's got any tips on how to keep warm, um. I put my hood on oh, a good five, ten minutes before I jumped in the water and I didn't have any headaches. A five mil hood probably <laughs> does suffice. I know some people have said that they've wore Doubles. when they've gone to uh, really. I think, is it Jill Hyneth who told us that they wore, she wore yes. she doubled up her, and her hood? Becky Kagan-Scott said about pulling her hood up over her lip and then yeah. put a red, so it kept her lips uh, warmer. <laughs> yeah, one of, my, uh, one of my diving buddies, they what he used to do was pour boiling camper van and he would pour uh, boiling water into his hood mm. to warm it up and then he'd obviously wait for it to cool down a little bit and then stick it on his head <laughs> yeah well if anybody's got any tips yeah let us know i personally suffered more when i got out of the water with my hands yeah, yeah. my um in fact my o3 gloves are starting to get holes in because i've worn them so much they're starting to wear up along, along the stitching and they were on my left hand, I was letting yes, the cold in. Cold. But... Yeah. yeah, but where we were, there were people actually swimming. Actually in the causes, swimming in the cold water. I think there was somebody swimming on the, in the river at Bungie this morning. Yeah. That's what it looked yeah. like. So, yeah, well done to you cold water swimmers. Oh, there was a lady, <laughs> she got out of the stony, yes, and she must have been red raw. And, yeah. nah, nah, not for me, I'm afraid. I like being warm. Warm water. Uh, yeah, definitely. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but diving, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. so, so that's... Visibility's great. Yeah, it was clear, wasn't it? And it was, uh, we didn't see any fish or crayfish. It was quite, um, but the water was... It's a good time. We, we, a lot of people historically used to, you know, not dive winter time um, in the UK because of the cold. Mm. Um, but honestly, some of the visibility, if you can get over that little bit of, sh- uh, of a surprise at the start... <laughs> It's great dive and be done, you know. Yeah, that's probably the, the... Lakes are quiet. Yeah, it's probably the clearest I've seen the Nautilus ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's certainly. Uh, and I think it's good viz all over it at the minute. Mm, yeah, so, and it was, yeah, we saw a few familiar faces, so that was quite nice. And uh, yeah. Yeah, a couple of people looked at the van. So, yeah, that's what... It was quiet there, yes. Yeah. So I put the drone up to uh, get a little bit of an overhead view um, from outside the site. Um and uh, just get a little bit of an overhead view of the lake. It looks really nice from yeah. a distance. Yeah, yeah. So, a perspective I've not seen before. Yeah, so that was our adventure yesterday. Yeah, and yeah. we only got one dive because it did take us a little while to get here, didn't it? So, yeah, uh, so, well, well... That's good. Yeah, the transit, we'll talk about it. And, yeah, it does obviously need charging to work. Yeah, so it took a little bit long to get here. But there we go. Um, right, should we get our guest on? Yeah. So this is Hannah Rudd. Um, she's a local girl to us. She's based in East Anglia, yeah. and uh, yeah, she'll, uh, she's very enthusiastic about um, her diving. Been on TV recently about with her book. Yeah, and um, she's not an, a diver with hundreds and hundreds of dives. She's a very no, she's a quite a young new, diver, isn't yeah, she? Quite, yeah, only started diving in 2017. Yeah, and got 50 or 60 dives. Yeah, so yeah, yeah so yeah. Yeah. done a bit though. She's done some night dives, drift um, dives. Dived in Maldives, um, and also, um, hello, someone didn't put their phone on. My arm off. <laughs> and um, yeah, she's done. Yeah, like I said, done some night dives as well, and uh, you know, working with the Anglin Trust, uh, the Shark Hub. Shark Hub UK. Yeah, UK. Yeah, yeah she's a, a big fan of sharks, and we also had a really interesting um, chat about orcas, didn't we? As well, we did. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, have a listen and uh, enjoy. How it. they've kind of been misunderstood yeah very clever they're actually quite devious in their little way they are. <laughs> yeah. 
when we thought always thought they're actually cute and they're right and they're cool and all that and that's yeah they are yeah. but actually they've got another little side to them they've got a certain bit in their brain that we don't have and they but, do have mm. a tasting for great whites as well mm. it seems yeah yeah so, so but yeah enjoy the episode yeah um, and thank you give us a look we'll be sharing it before we just get hannah on we'll be sharing about the transit a bit more um we have got ford coming on next week haven't yeah we? we've got a podcast with ford to talk about their um what their their initiatives uh, they've got on at the moment and their plans for the future so that will be really exciting yeah yeah and about all this is going to totally surprise you because they do so much uh in the way of like recycling and things like that and they don't really make it particularly public um so, so we're going to hopefully make it public uh, because it's stuff that they should be sharing about yeah, you know yeah. it's all really good stuff and you know, if you are thinking about buying another dive vehicle next year, this year, a new car and things like that, well, these are th- all these are considerations, aren't they? Yeah, these at days? the end of the day, we're all here to look after the, the planet, the yeah. earth and the water. So, yeah. yeah, sustainability is key. Yeah, and this transit's been the start of that, isn't mm. it? Yeah. You know, yeah. Start of everything going electric, everything's got to go electric by 2030. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but have a listen to the podcast yeah. and uh, enjoy Hannah's conversation with us and... Uh, Yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, and uh, keep it safe wherever you're diving. Hello, Hannah Rudd. Welcome to the Big Scuba podcast. Hi, Gemma. Hi, Ian. How are you doing? Oh, good. Thank you. Good good to see you on on here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it's great. So we um, always start our conversation off by just saying, how did you get into scuba? How did your journey start? Yeah, um, well, I actually haven't been scuba diving that long, really. Um, I first took my um, first breath underwater back in 2017. So, um, God, it doesn't feel like it was, it's been, you know, it feels like it was yesterday. Um, and that was on holiday um, in Cape Verde. Uh, so very, very lucky to learn nice. how to scuba dive there. Beautiful mm. place. Was just starting to kind of build momentum as a tourism place back then so I, I haven't been back since don't know what it's like now but it was absolutely beautiful then um and yeah so I did my my paddy open water there uh all the swimming pool sessions had an amazing instructor um and was a little bit nervous I won't lie um getting the buoyancy right um it took me a little while to, to figure that out um and then from there um I've I've done my my advanced in the Maldives when I was based wow. out there so again not nice. a bad place uh to do it and then I kind of had uh well four or five year gap um before doing my rescue diver last year uh, and I did that in uh, Stony Cove so very different okay. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah that was a bit of a, a kind of a Covid legacy thing um so that was really good to to get to get on with yeah and who was that with uh, I did that with Ipswich Scuba. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so in, yeah, Gemma. Bit, bit, of a, bit of a shock to the system doing that in uh, Stony. Yeah, but I did it in that weekend when we had all the really hot weather in August, if you okay. remember. So yeah. everyone was in dry suits and I was the mad one in a wetsuit because I no. wasn't cold and everyone was looking at me like I was a bit of a weirdo, but I thought it was so warm. Um, and when we were doing the drills on the on the surface, I just took the top part of my wetsuit off. I was just in my, in my swimsuit. <laughs> a great time. I'm the same. I, um, I, I much prefer getting in a wetsuit, especially summertime, unless you're going deep, you know. But on a rescue course, you're not going to be going particularly deep. So, uh, yeah, why not? Yeah, and it's quite physical. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't want to get overheated. Yeah, no, I, I find dive, uh, dry suits really difficult to wear, actually. Uh, I did some diving in Portland um, and they all convinced me to wear one, and it's just like cling film wrap, isn't it? I, I'd much rather be in a wetsuit and chisel beach. Yeah, sorry, chisel beach. Uh, no, unfortunately not. It was just around Portland Bill area. Okay, yeah. um, it's just inside the harbour. It wasn't uh, the the, the uh, visibility was rubbish. Um, right. We did have a couple of seals join us, so that was oh, nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. So, how many dives have you logged up so far? Um, I've done fifty-seven, I think. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm excellent. still a little, you know, I'm still very early on in my diving. And yeah. um, yeah, a lot of that was kind of stopped by COVID. Unfortunately, mm. we had those two years where nothing happened. And um, part of the kind of the book writing process was that I had plans to go out and explore our coastline and you know, dive Farn Islands, Lundy, you know, Scapa Flow, really get a feel for everything. 
Um, but that completely stopped me in my tracks and I had to kind of research the YouTube videos and, and Google. So <laughs> I have a long kind of wish list that I need to get cracking with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the UK, yes, I've only dived in the UK. So it's got such a diverse, well, diving arena, really. It's, yeah. Well, yeah. you two are on par then, aren't you? Because how many dives have you now done, Gemma? Just 60 odd. Yeah. So you're about the same. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was all yeah, getting the practice in, that's the the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I think um I I've been very very lucky that with work it, the the diving has been something that I it's like something I can do on the side if that makes yeah. sense. I haven't really had a chance to focus on my diving skills and getting you know, buoyancy and and that type of thing quite quite where I want it. So it's nice to actually be over here and and be able to focus on that stuff and not get distracted by what's going on around <laughs> me so much. You know, so that's that's really good. Yeah. So in terms of your career, what what do you do as a as a job that obviously allows you to sort of get into the underwater world? So um, I did my master's in marine environmental management straight from my uh, kind of my first degree. I did, went straight to my master's, didn't really want to be an adult yet. So decided <laughs> that I'd spend another year at university. Um, and I was really lucky that as part of that degree, um, the university had really good links with various conservation projects around the world. And, and, and one of them was in the Maldives. So I spent a, a month out there with the Maldives Whale Shark Research Programme had some really good oh. field experience, learned the um, actually the, the damaging implications of over tourism and saw some really horrendous injuries on, on whale sharks and, and manta rays. Um, but, you know, it was a fantastic kind of deep dive into that. Um, and then following that, I, I had a year or so out in South Africa with Great Whites. So oh, I've definitely wow. been quite spoiled. <laughs> um, and that was before um, these two orcas that have come through. I don't know if you've been following the, uh, the kind of the science that's going on up there, but but two orcas have come through and basically ravaged the white shark population because they've, they've eaten them all and, you know, they've all scattered off. Um, so that was like, I was really lucky to have an insight into that world before that all happened. Um, and then I came back to England kind of, you know, with my tail between my legs, just bright eyes and, you know, astonished at what I'd seen. Um, and, and ended up working actually with the Angling Trust, which is where I currently am now. It's yeah. a very different desk-based job at the moment that's primarily looking at policy. But I do also get to, to go out to sea with a lot of skippers and, and see wow. the amazing stuff that we have here. And, um, you know, I'm not kidding when I say, you know, some of the things that you can see off Penzance rival anything that we can see, <laughs> you know, anywhere yeah. else in the world. I had a, one trip last year where I literally we saw a pod of pilot whales, we saw four or five minke whales, we saw this huge pod of harbour porpoises. Um, what else did we see? A thresher shark jumped of all things. Wow. Bluefin tuna, like it, uh, Rizzo's dolphins, which apparently the skipper hadn't seen in like a decade. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's like Blue Planet out there. It's absolutely spectacular, and yet everyone wants to go you know to foreign shores to, to go yeah. on holiday and see marine life but you know, blue sharks basking sharks you know gray seals all of these incredible things and that's not even talking about our kelp forests or you know our mm -hmm. cold water corals or anything like that so yeah we have absolutely spectacular diversity here on our doorsteps and, and I like to kind of dip my toes in whenever I can <laughs> isn't it amazing when people say um that they won't dive in the UK and I think you're missing out so much because, yes, all right, it's cold sometimes and, you know, and it can be murky, what have you. But there's so much to see in the U UK. And, you know, as you just said, and um, it's really worth doing. And, um, yeah, I always think people miss out quite a lot of diving if they, you know, if they don't dive in the UK. When you saw the seals and you saw the orcas, you know, how did that make you feel? Because like being up, you know, being so close to such awesome animals, you know, how, how did that make you feel? Absolutely. Just, you know, buzzing. <laughs> you, you can't <laughs> help but I think, yeah. you know, the, be the fact that you're in this, uh, this environment that seems like nothing's going on because the, the ocean has this amazing way of just being absolutely quiet and it looks like there's nothing happening. And then all of a sudden it just bursts into life. And, and everywhere you look, there seems to be something going on. 
Um, and it, yeah, it's just an indescribable feeling. And yeah. I think having been blessed to travel to various other places that people do go for these experiences, I just certainly think we're on par with that. So, so you know, I, I think people really shouldn't overlook, you know, as you were saying, that the diving experiences and the marine tourism mm. we have. Here. Yeah. Do you think we've misunderstood the the orcas? Because we're, we've always seen them as like, you know, they're either being out in Florida doing tricks and stuff like that. And now we're kind of understanding that they're such an intelligent um, animal and, you know, that they, they'll take on big, great whites and what have you. You know, do you think they've been quite misunderstood or just not understood until recent? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, certainly Blackfish, unfortunately, has really shed light on um, the intelligence of, of killer whales, orcas, and, and uh, that they actually have a part of their brain that processes emotional intelligence that we don't have. So, yeah. you know, they, they, the kind of pain they must feel when they're separated from their family members you know, is, is off the charts. Um, but certainly, you know, great white sharks have always been seen as kind of the king of the ocean, haven't they? And actually, yeah. you know, there's a new kid on the block, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, certainly down in South Africa, they're causing... But he's not the new kid. He's always been there. No. He has always been there. That that's very true. Um, and, you know, parts of the world like New Zealand, you know, yeah. it's been documented before. You know, killer whales eating white shark livers, and obviously we'd see the awful scenes with um, kind of the grey whales and things like that. But you know, we have orcas here in the UK as yeah. well, um, up in Shetland. Um, it's not so much of a, a pleasant story with those guys because they've got um, a lot of chemical pollution that's kind of bioaccumulated in their tissues and. Uh, they're really struggling to sustain themselves at the moment, but I think they're fascinating creatures. They really are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just amazing how it captures you, and also with the pandemic, it maybe has made people realise just what the UK has to offer because we had no choice. You know, we were jumping in rivers and you know just having to do shore dives. So it's probably done a lot for UK diving. What we've been through with the pandemic. Do you think that's possibly the same yeah yeah absolutely you know everyone wants to get their diving fix right and uh if, if what you can do is is whether it's in a lake or whether it's off the shore if you you know you can rent a boat or whatever it might be you're going to jump in and have a look and and see yeah. what's what's happening and yeah there's no reason why what we've got here isn't just as beautiful as, as elsewhere and hopefully i i really think that we have a, a a good cause for kind of building diving tourism and marine tourism in general you know whether it's whale watching or you know shark diving increasingly and um, there's so many things that we can do here and, and hopefully we see more of it yeah 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 and even you know with the seals the interaction you get with them uh lindy uh came into the forefront over um the lockdowns and you know just it's amazing seeing people snorkeling. It doesn't have to be diving. It it gets people in the water to see that marine life. Yeah. 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 And and sometimes as well, you you see those creatures in some of the most unlikely places. So during lockdown, I, I went to Pembrokeshire and I was meant to be um with Celtic Deep actually on one of the blue shark snorkel trips, but it was kind of blown off the water. Um so we went snorkeling in this little bay and out of nowhere this grey seal appeared. <laughs> and it was just absolutely it was the first time I'd seen one at that that point in time that close and I just couldn't believe how big it was it was huge <laughs> and um it was just the thrill of seeing that in its natural environment we hadn't asked it to be there we yeah. hadn't given it you know a kind of a, a reason to be around us it was just spending its time with us and I think those moments are absolutely priceless and um the more we can build that and that respect as well to not disturb you know, marine life and just let it be around you. I think the the kind of the bigger argument that we we put forward for protecting these species, you know, unfortunately, we live in a world where money talks. And if yeah. the marine tourism sector grows and grows and grows, it gives more reason for, for us to want to protect these areas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, everything needs protecting no matter yeah. where where you are, yeah, in the world. But yeah, particularly, you know, when we're close to home, it's important that yeah, we take care of what we've got. Yeah. So yeah. had you always wanted to dive? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, I think um, 
I think, you know, how can you not watch uh, underwater documentaries as a kid? Because that was, I don't know about you guys, but that was one of my main insights into to what was going on. And yeah. you, you watch Jacques Cousteau or, you know, David Attenborough, and you think that's exactly what I want to do. I want to enter a fish's world and just sit there yeah. and watch it go about its business and just have this whole new appreciation um, for these animals because, you know, it, marine like megafauna like seals and dolphins you know they're great but fish really are so underappreciated as well I think yeah. um there's a book called what a fish knows by Jonathan Balcom and I I don't know if you guys have read it but it's such an amazing book oh, I have to look that one up yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely changed you know my and I've always been a fish lover but it completely changed my perspective on fish you know whether it's things like how how they're kind of the families and communities work to cultures you know these whole underwater cities that are just alive really yeah um, yeah just absolutely amazing and diving gives you all of that you know unless you can actually see that yourself with your own eyes it, it's quite difficult to, to kind of comprehend it I think you know it's a yeah. lot about a fight out of mind so yeah absolutely always wanted to dive what yeah. about family do, do they dive in your family no, so I am the only diver in my family. Um, and unfortunately, uh, you know, my dad and my brother love the water, always have done. Um, but my mum uh, unfortunately fell in a river when she was younger. And as a result, has never really wanted to oh, go no. near, near the water ever since, which is a huge shame. It so, is, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm i the only one that can, can breathe underwater. But other than that, <laughs> <laughs> everyone else is big, big ocean lovers. Yeah, well, it sounds like it's really in in, in your blood, and uh, yeah, you've obviously taken it. So you, you said you were an author. So where did that kind of all start? It was quite a yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that was that was a bit of a crazy one, to be honest, Gemma. Just woke um, up one day. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> yes. Well, it, it happened a little bit like that. Um, so uh, when I was at an undergrad um, at, at Lancaster. Um, and we didn't really do much marine science there. And it was me kind of trying to figure out how I could pursue my passion, because I think marine science in general is kind of this like this misnomer that, that everyone wants. You know, young kids want to be marine biologists, but no one tells you how to get there. Yeah. And uh, I, I never came from that background. So, um, you know, an academic background or knew anyone in it. So it was still very kind of bizarre to me. So I just started a blog. And this was a blog that it was online. It was on WordPress. It was very basic. And I used to tweet about it and I'd write about things like shark finning or, you know, vaquitas uh, dying in, in South America, overfishing, you know, plastic, yeah. all these things. And by a stroke of luck, a commissioning editor at Bloomsbury um, was following me on Twitter. He read my writing. He liked what I was doing. Yeah. And... Um, he had another book that had re uh, been written before by Maya Plass, uh, who's at the MBA yeah. now, and she'd done a, a seashore guide with um, the RSPB. And, and Bloomsbury really wanted to kind of take that idea and, and reinvent it. And yeah. Maya wasn't available. Um, so he said, would you like to write it? You can take it in any direction you want. The Wildlife yeah. Trust would like to do it. Um, so I wrote up a pitch <laughs> and then the rest is kind of history. Wow. Um, 2020 fresh out of my masters um I started writing this book <laughs> so it was yeah and here we are today talking about it so yeah, yeah it was it really was that that crazy and mm -hmm. um I, I think that kind of feeds into the idea of like in a way if you want to do something just put yourself out there and I know that it it, it is can be a really hard grind in in other things but you never yeah. know who's watching and no. um yeah, that that just seemed to be for me really lucky. Yeah, yeah. So has that kind of paved a bit of a path now for you in with being an author? Have you got plans for more writing and more books? Yeah, I've always loved writing. Um, I've I've always done um, even before the book. I, I you know did freelance bits for for magazines and things, and that's really how I, I started um, kind of crafting what I was doing. Um, but absolutely, if this book goes down well, I have a few more ideas up my sleeve. Um, <laughs> we need to tell our listeners what your name of your book is so they know what to, to look for. 
Yes, that's very true. That would be handy, wouldn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so it's called Britain's Living Seas, Our Coastal Wildlife and How We Can Save It. And it, it's been written in collaboration with the Wildlife Trusts. Um, it's currently available um, in all good bookstores uh, through the Bloomsbury website. Um, and yeah, it really kind of sheds light on, on some of the species that we have here and the habitats we have here um, and how intimately kind of tied our lives are even if you don't live anywhere near the ocean we are so dependent on it um but unfortunately we have used and abused it over over the Mm. years yeah um and and it is you know in a state of emergency however i really want to push that there is so much good work going on around the country and internationally now nature-based solutions citizen science projects yeah um you know we know how to save the ocean we just need to do it and I think everyone can be an everyday marine conservationist, you know, in, in whatever capacity you have. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's really what this book is about. I like the uh, the tagline, uh, shouldn't cost the earth. And that's so true. And uh, mm-hmm. because, we, you know, we do enjoy it, don't we? And uh, it shouldn't be at the cost of the of the earth. You know, I always you hear these stories of people not just diving, you know, they go up to Everest and stuff and and then they leave all their rubbish and things like that. And you think, well, you should always leave somewhere better than than you found it Mm, yeah that's true yeah yeah and for people um there are obviously lots of people we're an island and people don't live like we're on an island you know we've got a whole coast and you just some people don't even go to the beach or entertain what we have yeah no No, i i totally agree and i think connection is really the first step and you know uh, say right in the beginning of the book most people when they think of the ocean they think of some tropical far-flung beach you know in Australia or Indonesia they don't think of you know Dover for example <laughs> or you know or Lindy or you know the Norfolk coast or and yet these places are so beautiful um you know particularly you know areas like Northumberland you know you wouldn't think of a beach holiday in the north of England but it's absolutely stunning up there yeah. and um, I really want to connect but you know you're never more than I think it's between 70 and 80 miles from the coast here it in the is. UK. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, you know, one trip a year, guys, we can we can we can manage that, I think. Um, but you know, unfortunately, we don't have equal access to kind of blue spaces, the ocean. I think it's really important to, to say, I think it's something like 20% of of um ethnic minority groups will use blue spaces. So there is a kind of a disparity between different demographics. And I think it's really really up to us to make sure that people with privilege kind of make room at the table and and say, look, how can we make you part of this conversation? Because it's going to take all of us from every walk of life uh, to kind of turn the tide on the ocean emergency. Um, You know, it's not my place to say what different groups need because I'm not from those backgrounds, but certainly I can use my privilege to make space for them. And I think that's really, really important moving forward. I think some of the hardest thing is to, you know, you've got people who do care um, and you've got people who are involved in the watery world. Um, and we're kind of like the easy, the easy wins. The people to try and really who will be the real challenge are the people who don't care and yeah. trying to turn that around. You know, why does someone drop litter? You know, mm-hmm. why, what is that mentality? You know, mm. uh, and that and through education, I think with the especially uh, young people as they come through schools and that um, is probably the, the way forward is to try and educate people. Um, yeah. Hope anyway. Yeah, yeah. You almost have hope it's going to an infectious, you know, positivity that will encompass all these people. Yeah, they're not so good people, but you know, it kind of the more momentum it gets, the more everybody is drawn into it. Yeah. No, absolutely. And um, you protect what you love, right? Which I think is is one of the main reasons why kind of forging a connection with the natural world in whatever it may be and however yeah. you may like to enjoy it is really important. You know, some people won't want to go diving. It might make them a little bit nervous or, you know, they might feel claustrophobic, might not be interested in that, but they may want to take a walk along the beach or they may want to go sea angling or, you know, they may have some other pastime that connects them with this environment and I think it's really important that we kind of open up as many channels as possible but just going back to what you're saying about kind of education and awareness raising I I 
firmly believe that part of the reason so many young people now are talking about climate change is that it was part of the national curriculum when they were younger. You know, we were taught about it in school. And I remember my teacher saying so clearly, you're one of the first students to learn about climate change as part of the <laughs> kind of the curriculum. How cool is that? Yeah, you know, like, okay, great. Um, we didn't really identify what that meant at the time, but it it's kind of my psyche is like, how can you not say that there's an emergency? Because it's been embedded within me, you know, since yeah. such an early age. And same about biodiversity and why would you want to destroy that and why would you not want to use it sustainably and your livelihood depends on there being thriving fisheries why would you want to deplete them all of this type of stuff so yeah I I completely agree education and awareness is yeah and the good news is you know a lot of the uh businesses uh and industry involved in the diving world and watery world whether it's fishing or whether it's making dry suits whatever and even cars, you know, all a lot of industry now is waking up to this and they're going, hey, we've got to change our ways. We, you know, um, we're talking to Ford in, in a few days time. And, you know, when we were talking to them before Christmas, that they were telling us, oh, well, we, we recycle our water. We don't have nothing go to uh, landfill. Yeah, we were blown like, away, weren't we? It was just Why didn't you amazing. tell people this? And they're like, well, <laughs> Do people want to know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But again, yes, they do. if if people are that well informed about all the good stuff these companies are doing, then again, that kind of fills you with, you know, sort of enthusiasm to do some more good. Yeah. And every little, you know, helps, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think if we've learned anything in the last sort of five years or so since Blue Planet 2 came out in particular, when you think of the the plastic movement, that was the trigger, wasn't it? That all of a sudden everyone is thinking about their plastic usage. Um, And it just shows that there's power in numbers and that we as individuals and as communities can really make a difference because at the end of the day, these companies depend on our money to make a profit. So if we've got certain purchasing choices that we want to make, they're going to make allowances for it. You know, I, I think if we didn't have that that kind of that moment as society, we would still be using plastic, you know, the way that we were. Um, you know, certainly there was awareness kind of building, but as you were saying earlier on, it, it's about the people beyond our initial community that are already mm. looking in these into these areas. And I, I'd certainly think documentaries like like Blue Planet open up kind of these conversations much wider than people that are just initially interested anyway. So. Absolutely, we have huge amounts of power to to kind of persuade these companies and we should take full advantage of it. So here's a question for you. Your book, Britain's Live and Seas, okay, what's been the biggest surprise to you whilst writing this book that's kind of gone, do you know what, I didn't know that. Why don't people know this? Hmm, That is a good question because I think I had that moment a fair amount of times. Did you have like a a (laughs) hallelujah moment? Like, why didn't people know this? Yeah, I think I think there were a number of, of moments and unfortunately a lot of it was around kind of abuse that we're putting into the sea more than more than anything. And that was around, you know, for example, chemical pollution, like the just the sheer amount of stuff that we flush down the drain mm-hmm. every day and it's just accumulating in fish all the time. Shoes. Uh, similar with the How do shoes get through the system? I know. I know it's absolutely <laughs> bonkers, but it's the stuff that you don't see that's the problem, right? It's yeah. it's the stuff that's in your your bleach or your washing up liquid or yeah. you know stuff that we just use on a daily basis. Even things like the the kind of the contraceptive pill yeah. are having huge impact mm. on fish. You know, the fish are changing gender due to the you know the contraceptive pill. It's, and milk it's is really staggering. bad as well. Yeah, milk yeah, is really bad, bad when it gets and, through the system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just takes, you know, the damage to be done for people then to realize it is bad. And that's, you know, the shocker. But hopefully, you know, books like yours will make people kind of just sit back and think, you know, what are we doing? Yeah. No, no, absolutely. And, and there are lots of bad things, but there are also lots of good things. And so I tell think tell us some good really- stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll, I'll get there. I won't be a negative Nancy this whole session. <laughs> um, yeah, so so there's lots of you know nature-based solutions. So there's oyster restoration work happening in the Solent, for example, um, that is really re revitalizing our seabeds. Again, we've got lots of seagrass meadow uh, restoration yeah. projects as well across the country. Um, you know, similarly, we've got rewilding projects when we're looking at marine protected areas that if they're actually left alone, they do work. Really? <laughs> um, That's but yeah, you know, so I think it's Lime Bay reefs at, down in uh, the southwest saw a 400% increase in biodiversity wow. once it was left alone. Uh, similarly, up in, in Arran, which is the first, I think, first or the second community-led no-take zone in the whole of the UK. Mm. It's seen huge improvements in, in marine biodiversity. You know, I think it's the first cuckoo raid they saw here in the last sort of decade um, which is just absolutely amazing. And, you know, the benefits that go beyond people like us that dive and enjoy seeing those places, you get this yeah. spillover effect as well that with commercial fisheries that depend on them can can really, you know, benefit from as well. So this isn't about locking people out of areas and saying you can't make an income and you've been, you know, dependent on this area for decades. This is about let us help you. Yeah. Um, and I think we're seeing lots of that kind of community work happening all over the country. And then on like a much larger scale, you know, we've got ideas like deposit return schemes that have just been put through today. You know, yeah. the government, is, we're, we're going to do that. We're going to ban single use cutlery. You know, that's one thing I talked about in the book. And now it's already out of date, you know, which is <laughs> great because yeah. that's exactly the type of progress we want to see. And it is. It, yeah things like filters in your washing machines to, to take out microfibers all of this stuff you know i really think that if we have ingenuity at but the then top, what happens to it it what it happens to it i think what they're saying is you take it out and you put it i mean you put it into landfill which is you know maybe not the better thing to do but i would say it's probably better than accumulating in fish tissue and being in the marine environment yeah, that's kind the of thing. i always think about what happens next when you do, mm. do a litter pick what happens next? Because if all it's doing when you do a litter pick and then it goes to landfill, you're just moving it. <laughs> all you've done is moved it uh -huh. from one part of the earth to the other. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But then part of me is saying if it's within a contained area in a landfill, at least it's not, you know, suffocating a seal or a seabird's not choking on it or, you know, that that type of so I, I completely understand and we really do need to find a better solution. And I think there's the bacteria now that they're trialing that actually eats plastic, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and if we can have things like that, wow. Um, but it really is, I think, the lesser of two evils at this moment in time. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And, you know, we're we're consuming fish in the sea. So it's like this whole cycle. We don't want to keep putting bad stuff into fish into us and it just goes round and round doesn't it yeah. so yeah it's a yeah no really interesting it's a <laughs> so yeah. what, what's gonna be the next book what's gonna be the next book oh, gosh i haven't finished this one only came out on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> i would really like to do a children's book actually i would really yeah. like to create a series of stories that um are about our marine life and the threats that they face here and yeah. how humans can help them. So, you know, create a little series of char characters like a cuckoo ras and, yeah. you know, a little bit of education in there. Yeah. 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 And just yeah. say, you know, this is what we have here and let's, you know, look after it. Yeah. 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 No, that would be good. And yeah, I mean, it's great that you've got that enthusiasm as well and, you know, care to kind of take it forward and educate people. Yeah, I, education is one of the most powerful things in the world, I think. And yeah. I, I would find it, for me, I think the ocean does the job of inspiring people on on its on its own. You just yeah. have to let people have a little bit of an insight and it kind of does it its job itself. You know, it, it gives us so much and yet asks us so little in return. Mm. And um, yeah, I, 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 I haven't found someone yet that doesn't have at least a little bit of intrigue <laughs> when, when they see it. So, you know, I, I get the seasickness. I have it myself, but uh, I don't think that's an excuse not to to dabble your feet in. No, and you've got to try right. something before you can make a judgment on it. And, you know, there's probably lots of people out there saying, no, no, wouldn't touch diving. But until, you know, it's, you can launch yourself into it gently doing wild swimming. You know, there's more people that do that now that probably have got yeah. more awareness of 
what is in the water as a wild swimmer. Another thing that came out of lockdown, wasn't it? People yeah. going wild swimming. In fact, only a couple of days ago in Bungie, they were swimming in the river here. And that was like, what, minus two? I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing quite they that. They were, they were all in the but, river. But it's it's the mental health benefits as well, oh, yeah. right? Spending time by the sea makes us feel good. You know, yeah. whether you're diving or you know, wild swimming or walking, you know, it, it's there's a huge amount of benefit, you know, from listening to the kind of the shoreline, to inhaling all of the ions that it creates, you know. There's yeah. so much research, you know, we, we have blue minds, you know, we feel calmer by water and mm. um, yeah, we all need a little bit of that in our lives. In fact, I was just then thinking actually um, where we're going tomorrow and where you did your rescue course at Stony Cove, um, the amount of um, di- uh, swimmers there now, yeah. there never used yeah. to be, you know, before lockdown, there was never uh, the number of swimmers, what there is now. Low. That's a really popular place for for swimmers now. Yeah, and I'm sure yeah. we'll see some tomorrow. Some brave souls in there. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how you feel when you get about halfway through that lake and think, "Oh, I'm a bit cold now. I want to go back <laughs> yeah. get, the, get the rescue boat over." <laughs> yeah, it's a. But you're right. It is. It is about mental health, and you yeah. know, if, you, if you've got a healthy body, you've got a healthy mind. If you've got a healthy mind, it makes you, you know go and do something really sort of active and yeah so if there's a lot warm, yeah, and you, hmm? when you go something on, warm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> warm yeah i mean yeah a walk on the beach doesn't have to be filled with wildlife wildlife is always lovely to see but you can get benefits from just being by the coast you yeah know? yeah not yeah. every business has to be about the amazing things that you see <laughs> no no it's just outdoor space as well so so is there anything that takes you out of your comfort zone to do with the watery world yes I like being in control and I think the ocean doesn't let you be in control (laughs) and I think that's one of the things that I like about it because it really challenges me every time I'm out there the conditions will be you know different so uh, one example I was diving um off Madeira a few years ago and it was my first dive after lockdown I was a little bit rusty I won't lie I didn't wasn't really sure what I was doing and um, when I came back out the water um, we we had one of those boats with the the ladders that you have to kind of move your fins over and I hate them because yeah. I have terrible balance and um, the, the ocean just was not playing ball that that day and it took me about four or five <laughs> attempts to get I kept going back in the water then back towards the boat and it's just the resiliency I think that the, the ocean really tested tests your patience yeah you know, even if you're on a dive and the currents kind of throwing you everywhere or you just have to think on your feet all the time yeah um, and I think that's just one of the wonderful things about it it makes you a more resilient human being and a more kind of at peace as well with yourself and that you can't control everything all of the time yeah do you like night dives no <laughs> Why not? I've done two or three night dives what in the UK or abroad I've done one abroad and two over here yeah. and very similar kind of thing that it makes me quite nervous that I can only see where the the kind of the torch is. Yeah. Um, and I'm absolutely not worried about any marine life or what that might do. It is just more, well, am I going to hit myself in a rock? Do I not know the topography very well? You know, what's my buoyancy like here? Mm. That type of thing. So it's probably because I'm quite inexperienced still yeah. probably yeah. as a diver and that will come with time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that they're, they're, they're quite challenging for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They, they can be. And uh, that is something that some people either really like and or some people just really don't. Yeah. But it's also knowing your limits, you know, with when with your experience as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you've got to feel safe as well yeah. as, you know, ha- enjoy the experience, I guess. It's the same with drift diving. I've been on some drift dives that uh, I absolutely love, you know, the thrill of kind of just bombing along yeah. <laughs> down, down you can't control anything off you go but then sometimes if you're if you don't quite feel right in that moment then it, there's nothing worse is there because you yeah. just can't center yourself and and kind of gather your thoughts you've just you're just gone and it yeah. you just feel like a bit of a 10 minute panic <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so we like to give our listener a bit of a nugget a bit of a um 
little something to take away uh, from all this. And doesn't have to be about diving, but it can be. Um, and it'd be great if it is. But what sort of life nugget or life hack do you reckon you could give our listener? Nugget. Maybe hack. something from the book that's taught you. Yeah, I think think it's very similar to the sentiment that I've I've just been um, kind of expressing there in that trust the process. And I know that sounds really corny, but there are so many things in life where you think I want to go in this direction and I want it now. You know, I'm working yeah. really, really hard. Why am I not getting it? And I've certainly had that throughout the book. And I think a lot of it was COVID and having writing fog or, you know, being stressed about not being by the ocean or not having that sense of control and all of these different types of things. And I think just breathing and being in the moment is such an important thing. Otherwise, life just passes you by. You know, I, gosh, I'm already looking at June in my diary and I'm thinking, <laughs> what, you know, 2023 is not even started yet. And I'm already looking at the kind of the second yeah. half of the year. I know, it goes so quick. It's so quick. And I think that's another thing diving teaches you is just to relax and enjoy your surroundings. And you never know when it's going to end, right? This journey mm -hmm. that we're all on in, in life. Yeah. So stop thinking about tomorrow and start enjoying all the moments Jeez. that you have now you know yeah live live in the moment live in the moment yeah and, and yeah. not worry about what other people are doing as well it's, uh, it's exactly I mean that might be quite like a bit of a stereotypical you know piece of advice but I I think as I've got older it's certainly rung true you know more and yeah. more and more um and it's just I try and remind myself of it anytime I'm trying to panic it's like no this is now enjoy it you know yeah. you don't know how long it's going to last so yeah yeah, yeah. no very good so if you could take three people into the underwater world um they don't have to be divers but just people that you want to take to show them who would you take they can be past present so number one is my mum because because of the fact that she's never really seen anything and yeah. when I think some of the places she's been very lucky to travel to and she's not stuck her head even off, off the side of the boat to have a look and just the whole world that she's missing yeah. I would just love to give her the confidence to to see that um the other one is it might be a bit stereotypical but it's Jacques Cousteau I just would love the the idea of going on a dive with Jacques Cousteau obviously yeah. you know absolute legend that he is it would just be incredible and then the second one uh sorry the third one might be a bit um might be a bit <laughs> unlikely but um I've been a fan of Anthony Bourdain for a very long time I don't know if you know who he is but he That's um nice. used to, yeah so he he is um he's not no longer with us unfortunately um but he is a kind of a tv personality that used to do uh, travel documentaries to really far flung parts of the world yeah. and he really inspired me to kind of live life on the wild side a little bit and and see life in other people's shoes you know it wasn't yeah. about luxury hotels or whatever it was literally staying with the locals in the middle of nowhere and eating their food and all of those types of things so i think he would give really interesting insights into life and under the water and I think it'd be hilarious as well so <laughs> I would love the chance to introduce him to my world because he's introduced me to his through tv so yeah that's what I'd love to do awesome yeah yeah we've not had him as a guest you know no. a person I am sure you have it because because I was thinking <laughs> like I'm like I'm not sure if people know him anymore because I, I my dad loved his shows yeah when I was younger so I just watch them anyway yeah um so yeah he might be a bit left field <laughs> no. well, look him up yeah <laughs> it's just yeah watch his shows they're really good <laughs> yeah. okay final question so we give you a billboard at the end of this and you've can you can put anything you like on there it can be a video it can be an image it can be a, a statement whatever you like but it's going to send a message to the world what are you going to put on it Ah, well, I could be really predictable and put something to do with sharks on it because that's my main passion in life. And I think they have so many threats facing their existence. So I could put a really shocking image of finning or you know something like that with 70% declines, etc. But I won't do that. I think instead it would be really, I think, helpful to, to put a picture a really diverse group of people from all walks of life and all parts of the world with their connection to the ocean 
and however they wanted to symbolize that in, in their own unique way with the slogan that said the sea is in our blood. And I think that it's just really important that people understand that we really depend on this, this, yeah. this ocean yeah. and we should feel passionate about it and we should want to protect it and we should feel connected to it and empowered um, and all of these different things. And I just think so much of the conservation narrative is negative and it doesn't focus on the why it just focuses yeah. on the, the how we've got in this mess. So yeah, I just really like to get that out there that, you know, we, we live on this blue planet, this blue dot that actually should be planet ocean, not planet earth. And um, we need to remind ourselves of that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. And it will make, makes people think, which is, and you know, it's not just a thought, it has so much to it. Yeah. 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 I think that's the other thing I've probably put in the corner the, I, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's a map and it's the, the, the earth through the eyes of a fish. And it is basically all of the oceans that we've got. So the five oceans and 50, 50 seas, whatever, uh, all connected. And it is just the ocean with kind of the continents as little islands around oh, wow. it. And um, there's a there's a quote from Arthur C. Clarke, and it says, how inappropriate to call this uh, planet Earth when it is clearly ocean. Mm-hmm. And given that two thirds of our planet is water, I think that's a really important thing as well, because we're all connected by this huge mass of water and yeah. what we do to it affects other people yeah. on the other side of the planet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that's my kind of nugget, I think. Yeah, very good. <laughs> it's so, quite a learn. So I was just, just going to say, say it's quite a learned thing. I never thought about that before, but actually, when you do think about it, it should be planet, ocean, because it is actually more ocean than Earth. Although, yeah, you know, technically it is, but you know, do you know what I mean? That's quite a learned yeah. thing. That I like that. I think the thing is, like a lot of us, unless you're lucky enough to go on a plane a lot. And most people on the on the planet, let's be honest, aren't. Um, you know, when you look out a plane window, more often than not, unless you're traversing a continent, obviously, you, you're looking at the high seas, you're looking at the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so that's the that's not that's the time most of us actually get the chance to look at it because it's out of sight, out of mind for <laughs> most people on an everyday basis. But you know, plastic and things—that's how it gets around the planet. Is yeah. going along the ocean gyres. You know, plastic from Malaysia can end up in bloody um, the Galapagos Islands. You know, yeah. all of these types of things. We're all connected. I think there was an experiment with um, plastic ducks not too long ago, and someone just chucked a load in the ocean to see where they all turned up, and they went here, there, and everywhere. Um, okay. So we are really all connected and um i think don't think we should lose sight of that no 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 so if people want to find out more about you how's the best way that they can sort of find out more about you or connect with you um so there's a number of ways uh twitter i'm on a, a, um, at hannah s rudd um on instagram i'm at hannah explores wild um, i do a lot of travel and marine science stuff um otherwise you can along to my website which is hannahrod.com um, and you can find links to the book and everything on there as well great yeah. awesome yeah and your your book's out for general release now that was yesterday the 19th it was out wasn't it yes yeah it's out there in the wild um you can do what you like with it <laughs> say what you like about it it's available for purchase but remember there is a person at the end of the reviews <laughs> so yeah no I uh, I really hope people enjoy it and um, yeah can't wait to hear what people think really I'm just excited it's so surreal seeing it in people's homes it's very strange Um, (laughs) yeah actually seeing it like physically as a book must be amazing because you've put your heart and soul into it yeah 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 it's getting when you get tagged in tweets on Twitter and it's like look what's arrived and I'm like oh god (laughs) and being on TV talking about it yeah 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 that's the other thing yeah it's all a bit um mad I think but hopefully very grateful but mad (laughs) yeah but enjoy it live in the moment (laughs) are you going to the go diving show uh, I'm not because unfortunately um I'm I'm giving a talk elsewhere but I've been meaning to go to that show for bloody ages so hopefully I can um find find time next year Yeah. yeah it's a good show yeah, yeah, and I think this year they're doing a special feature on the British Isles. Um, oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. Will <laughs> it be good? <laughs> well, it'll be good because it'll hopefully it'll increase people's awareness of you know what 
our coastline offers and you know the great things that you're doing as well sort of making it out there and giving people the material to read yeah 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 no absolutely and I, as I said early on in the podcast I really think I don't see any reason why we can't have a really thriving diving industry here not just domestically but you know attracting people from all over the world mm. and one of the things with climate change is obviously our seas are going to warm and that's a challenge but it's also going to bring a lot of new species into our seas as well that people are going to be interested in in viewing so yeah we certainly need to be looking ahead with that one I think yeah definitely yeah 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 and you're definitely right about species because I think a sunfish was washed up in Great Yarmouth a week or so ago and you think they they just don't exist in our waters do they they get huge Yeah, they they are huge. Yeah, I've seen a few off Cornwall before, but that's like 30 miles offshore. Yeah, Yeah. it's not not close in. But yeah, I mean, an angler uh, caught a a lionfish in 2021 off Chesil Beach, which is (laughs) insane. Whether that was an aquarium release or a wild (laughs) fish, we we won't know. But, you know, bloody hell, my watch is now talking to me. Um, Sorry about that. But yeah, even things like bluefin tuna, you know, coming Mm. back, you know, huge hugely exciting time for our marine life yeah yeah and it's ever-changing so yeah so thank you for coming on the podcast and yeah bringing yeah the enthusiasm is great (laughs) ah well uh yeah i hope it's not too much (laughs) but um yeah no i um i really appreciate the the coming on today and and talking about the sea and hopefully inspired a few people to to look a bit closer to home next time they go diving that's great thank you very much for coming on yeah Yeah. thank you all right yeah well what can we say what um you know enthusiasm yes uh, knowledgeable obviously done a lot of reading i would say um and uh yeah really good really enjoyed that didn't you yes yeah and it was uh, her obviously masters and her degree obviously all around ocean uh, marine speciality so yeah just amazing she's taken it further and produced a book i wouldn't know where to start once upon a time. Once upon a time, I wasn't a diver. And then, and then I become a diver. <laughs> and I've seen fish and seals. But her enthusiasm was amazing. And I think even if you were not a diver, you'd think I've got to maybe have a little bit of a think and get into what we've got on our coastline in the UK. Yeah, I took away a couple of points on that. Is like, um, I, th- I like the, um, do they call that a strap line or tag line? Or, I'm not sure, but it shouldn't cost the earth. Or no. It shouldn't cost the ocean. And um, and I thought that was a really good point that she made about the whole, um, you know, we refer to it as the earth, but actually a big part of it is water, isn't it? It Although, is, 17 you know, Underneath the ocean is earth. But actually, the biggest part of what we see is the water, isn't it? Yeah, but it's all such a, there's so much unknown about the ocean. And, you know, she's right. As you look from an aeroplane or even space, look at what they see. And it is all yeah. a lot blue. Blue and green. Blue and green, mm. isn't it? really. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it. you know, it is a book uh, Hannah's written, but there is so much more that it kind of makes you think about yeah. and I think that's that's really good because it's it, it is an education and again you know she said about education and we've had that from other podcast guests saying education is so so important for the future of our planet yeah well it's one of Christina's uh, it is yeah points, isn't yeah. it is education yeah conservation yeah yeah so no I think um, exploration yes transformation transformation all these <laughs> all these things we actually we learned transformate about transformation from uh clark. clark didn't we yeah and yeah. phil short told us about find the magic in every dive yeah and i think hannah can you know that comes out in her enthusiasm and her passion for the underwater world and also what's really great is she's not a super experienced diver it just shows that anybody with a passion and an interest you don't yeah. have to be a proficient diver with hundreds and hundreds of dives to kind of appreciate this underwater world. She's done some good diving, though. If you think mm. Maldives. Um, drift dives. Uh, drift diving, night dives. Night dives are can be, you know, um, 
they can be either really, really good and you're like, wow, that was amazing. Or they can be not so good and that can nearly put people off. And um, I can think of some really good ones I've done and some not so good ones I've done. Yeah. And you think, wow, that's quite hard work, you know. Mm. So it's, yeah, I, I quite like them. Yeah, you've got to take the positive out of, you know, some of these things and you know, everybody's yeah. different at the end of the yeah. day. And yeah. Not everybody's going to like the same thing that the next person. No, really that's likes, right. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So well, people need to, good. if um, people need to check out a book, links are in the show notes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, have a look at it. And I think it, it really will be a, a good read. And something It's on Amazon, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's on Amazon. And obviously you can physically go to a shop and yeah. Like, and we can actually put that in the big scuba library. It's already in there. Yeah. So uh, it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. So check Hannah Rudd out and uh, take a look at her website as well. Yeah. 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 Do that. Um, what else do we need to tell people? So this will be up Monday. Yeah. We're diving uh, tomorrow. Right. <laughs> good old Stony Cove. Um, so hopefully, you know, uh, we have made it and been to a diving <laughs> we'll and, see you uh, on the next podcast yeah. look out and hope you looked out for a big gray van <laughs> yeah we ought to name it didn't we <laughs> it's like big gray seal isn't it it's really like, yeah sort of like an eric <laughs> i don't know eric, eric the electric e-van e-transit yeah. we'll have to think of something tomorrow we so will we're gonna have some time while it's charging <laughs> anyway this is the future this it is, is the future embrace it yes i know, I know. yes so, it's all about planning so it got is. To be a bit organized yeah yeah so, so we'll be sharing about that and well hopefully by the time this this comes out people will have seen it because hey this is the beauty of downloads they could be listening to this in june yeah anywhere in the world exactly so, yeah uh, so just a reminder to check out our youtube channel we've got a few new videos out um we're doing some drone work beach cleans so check out the videos uh if you like them subscribe and uh yeah absolutely yeah there is yeah there's some more coming on that um and also um don't forget to uh leave a review if you're listening to us on itunes because it helps your dive buddy finds us (laughs) yes yeah so and if you've got any questions for either ian or myself drop us a dm or an email and uh, or any recommendations for future guests we're always happy to um put them in the put them on the list yeah yeah exactly so that'd be good and don't forget your tickets for the go diving show if you haven't got yes, them already yeah yeah so that's fourth of march so our only uk dive and show so uh get those tickets and uh get get there yeah and after listening to this enthusiastic hannah rudd talk about the british isles you definitely should be thinking about coming to UK's only diving show. Yeah, definitely. We'll be there. We will. Yeah, we'll be there, be there on Saturday. Right. Right. Listen. Better go and get the dive gear ready. Yeah, yeah. Better go and get that ready. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. And uh, for but right now, I think that was the Big Scuba Podcast. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>